UQES acknowledges the Gaiabal and Jarawa peoples of the Toowoomba area and pays respect to elders past, present and future. Welcome to the Worldonomics podcast, brought to you by the UQES diversity team. I'm Liam. I'm Bronwyn. I'm Joe, And I'm Maylise. And each week, we bring in a new guest to talk about the issues that matter. Um, going back to what you said previously, um, so one of the areas which we haven't really seen an improvement in is incarceration rates. Um, uh, now, you were a part of the Royal Commission into Aboriginal Deaths in Custody, is that correct? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so what prompted this commission? Like how, how did it start? How did you um, kind of find yourself in that role? When it first started, I think what you found was that it was one in which there were a number of Aboriginal deaths in custody. Deaths in custody were rising. And, you know, we had the case of a young boy in, I think it was in Geraldton. I think he was a 15 or 16 year old boy from there. And he had walked into a shop and stolen a chocolate. Kids do pinch things, but yeah. this was chocolate. He ended up, he died in custody. Somehow he died in the police van, um, in the police car, in police custody. And that was one of the deaths that was investigated. Other deaths, deaths that were investigated were ones in, in and around people who are dying in watch houses. Yeah, you know, and that, and before they even get to prison, and so it was these sorts of things. And when people um, they were dying of, um, in some cases, chronic diseases within 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 custody, um, let alone from the beatings. And you know, some of my um, a friend of mine who's an Aboriginal artist, you know, he used to tell me quite often, you know, how the coppers used to beat him up with um, and use phone books sometimes, you know, just to, and sometimes the young constables would go in and the, the old sergeant would put him in and tell them, you know, don't go and see him while he's drunk. Well, he yeah. sobers up a bit and see how good you are. And that was the sort of thing. It was a bit, almost a bit of a sport. So this is where um, deaths and custody started. It was, it was, you know, and, and, I, and I can't remember the young guy's name. Um, but I can remember it, but I shouldn't say it, I don't think, because of what I yeah. expect. So, um, but, you know, after 30-odd years, you know, only 30-odd 30 30 years, yeah, um, it's been only, only two-thirds of those recommendations have been met. And a lot of those recommendations, I believe, then moved us towards a coalition of Australian governments overcoming Indigenous disadvantage and therefore, that's when we had closed the, closing the gap. Yeah. Um, and so the Royal Commission Deaths and Custody, how I got involved with that was I was working with um, uh, Les Melzer, and Les Melzer was the chief and one of the, the primary investigators here in Queensland, and um, I was assisting with him with um, interviews of prisoner organisations and, and people within um, within that, that idea, uh, within the... Um, investigations of deaths in custody. So um, I've worked with Les and uh, uh, up here in uh, Brisbane. Les Melzer is um, chair of the Foundation for Aboriginal Island Research Action. Yeah. Um, so what were the 
um, kind of, what was the legislation that was um, put in place after the commission uh, was finished? Um, well, what happened was um, the legislation, there was, there wasn't one piece of legislation that said this legislation is from the death, Aboriginal Deaths in Custody. Yeah. We, my job, that was what my, I, was work, I was working with police here in Brisbane into interviewing some of the prisoner, prisoner organisations. In Canberra, my, my job was to write the government response to, all, to the, the um, 339 recommendations as they related to local government. And so we would then go in and write these recommendations, but then local government, um, local governments Australia-wide, state governments, Australia, state and territory governments Australia-wide, then have a report on back on what what they were doing to implement the re recommendations. So in some cases, they did make changes to different legislation, in so far as um, um, you know, how um, uh, our, sorry uh, and policies insofar as how housing should how um, housing should be um, how housing issues should be addressed within you know within states and in the uh, states and the commonwealth uh, how health services should be better delivered how um, people within prisons incarceration rates how they might you know what can we do to address those so yeah. there were different policies put in how people couldn't harm themselves within within the jails where they were found hanging, et cetera, or they done some help self-harm or given help to create self-harm. Yeah. So these sorts of things, there are programs, there are lots of programs and policies that came out of that, but no state, well, no one piece of legislation said that said this, this legislation is you know, as a result of the Royal Commission of Deaths and Custody. So, but there was government policies and programs that were a myriad of right across the nation. Yeah, but but I think it was Deloitte um, about a year or so ago did a, a report, uh, and Deloitte, as you know, is a, a large consulting firm, both national and international firm, and they did a, um, a report on the, rec the implementations of the Royal Commissions, and they found about of the 330, um, 339, only about 64% of those were ever you know, um, addressed. Yeah. Do you think that the recommendations that were implemented have been successful or is it hard to say with not all of them being implemented? Yeah, it's hard to say because the, um, it's, it's, it's hard to say, well, this, uh, make a general statement about it because in some instances they, they wouldn't have been done very well at all. Yeah. Whereas, you know, for example, you know, we still see people dying in custody like, um, um, up in Palm Island, you know, with the case up there some uh, a couple of few years ago now. But, you know, that person, you know, there's never been one police officer that has ever been charged out of, well, out of the, all these deaths in custody. Yeah. No, no officer has ever been charged. And I think the riots on Palm Island proved that uh, even that, that person, um, he was never charged, Sergeant Hurley. So some of them, some of them have, but I think that, again, it... Um, Government then took over and said that they can handle it better than Aboriginal organisations and councils. Yeah. Um, and what we saw was, um, you know, a waste of money happening through government, this, this idea of government programs because they were dispersing it 
to organisations outside of um, Aboriginal communities. Yeah. And um, what we now see is you know, going back to that to try and address it. Um, so with, with the recent media coverage um, outlining the number of Indigenous deaths that have happened since the last commission, do you think there needs to be another one into Indigenous deaths in custody or what are your thoughts? Mm, um, I think that there should be a review of the deaths in custody. So I think that yeah. you know, now a review held of, of this. But um, as, I said to, as I said before, you know, a Royal Commission doesn't necessarily address everything, but I think that the review of, of, of certain um, recommendations that haven't been met and those that have, you know, why are they, uh, where have they fallen down? And I think that that may be, may, may be of more benefit than a complete Royal Commission. Otherwise, you know, people just close ranks when, when, a Royal, when a Royal Commission happens. They don't necessarily tell the truth during these periods. And as I said, you know, you know, to what avail? Because if we're thinking of um, justice, justice for those deaths in custody, well, no one's been charged. Yeah. Anyway, and the, you know, people, they've been, you know, the, the worst that's ever happened to them, I think, is that being um, reprimanded or, or put on, uh, put on leave or, or something like this. You know, there's certainly been no, there's been no true justice coming to those people who died in custody. That's for sure. So. A royal commission, no, but maybe they should go back and start reviewing some of this, some of these practices, especially within police. But we see that police brutality, and it's a bit hard to say because, you know, to, again, to generalise, yeah, because there's some, there's some, you know, there's police officers out there, and we fully support police officers, but not those officers who actually, you know, um, create and invoke violence to. Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people, or other people, persons of colour. Yeah. Because I know, in, um, you know, in um, Tasmania at one stage, there was only, again, there's been crimes that only Aboriginal people can commit, which is, you know, drunk, disorderly, and disobeying uh, a lawful order. Um, and they're the ones that, you know, they hit people with if you're, if you're vagrant um, in parks. But sometimes you just don't have the money to afford things. And I've seen it happen in the Northern Territory. Yeah. The police um, in Darwin, they were, the police chase people who camp in the long grass on motorbikes, where they've chased them down the Todd River uh, on motorbikes because the people don't have anywhere to live. And no one's, um, they can't get accommodation in the town because of um, the racism and prejudice of, of people in hotels and motels and accommodation places. We won't give them a room, so they camp down in the Todd River. But then the police come and chase them either on motorbikes or on horseback. And I've seen them patrolling and doing yeah. the chasing sort of thing. You know? um, so how do you think um, the gaps between Indigenous and non-Indigenous Australians promote um, the cycle of racism that we see within our society today? The gaps promote racism, I think, is reflected in, if you look at, We've got, say, three pillars of racism. You'll have, say, like institutional racism, um, cultural racism, individual racism. Yeah. Now, looking at institutional racism, now we see that the people talk about post-colonial period. Well, we don't have post-colonial period. We have ongoing colonialism, and let's call it coloniality because it's reflected in, in government policies and programs. 
Yeah. And we see you know, within, um, within responses to the statement of the heart, we see it in response to the Constitution, for God's sake. You know, here we've got um, Australia's the only country where there's, you know, without mention of the Indigenous peoples, First Nations peoples within this country, you know. And they're debating whether they should change the racist clause with, within the Constitution. So there's the ongoing colonialism or coloniality. So there's no post-colonial period. So this racist ideals, when they're formulated with, with government and government policy, then we see it within um, education where our culture is not recognised and people's, you know, um, people will say they never heard the, 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 the other side, the Aboriginal history of Australia. They've only yeah. heard of the European history of Australia. Yeah. So here at UQ, next week, we're running um, um, what we call the lunchbox seminars within the School of Earth and Environmental Sciences. Yeah. And the lunchbox seminars are all about Indigenous engagement. And we're looking at things such as pre-European history, going through as to at, after the fifth one, we're talking about how do we actually increase the Indigenous um, uh, indigenous engagement and participation within uh, the Faculty of Science. How, you know, is it through scholarships, encouraging more students, more teachers, uh, more lecturers? Um, and then, but addressing these issues that we just, just spoke about, you know, current issues, how then does that, what has been the impact on the social organisation and fabric of, of Indigenous Australia? What has that what is the philosophy behind Indigenous Australia as they start as we start to move into um, the 21st century and how we engage with science and science research and what we contribute? And I think that this is where um, this is where we see um, the gap. How we can close the gap is by, by definitely by education. Yeah. So. so do you think? Um, if we like a step forward would be trying to incorporate more indigenous history into school curriculums or even changing the way that we're taught in terms of the perspective that we're, that we look through when we're taught these moments in of these moments in history. Do you think that would help? Yeah. Yes and no. Yes, yeah. by the fact of we get a holistic view of Australian history. Yeah. No, if we if we just limit it to you know uh, all the bad things. What we need to do is also within that history is give the, the indigenous contribution to Australian history, which is from a you know again from a, a more positive stance rather than a, a deficit approach to. Um, Indigenous history, we can look at the contributions of, of, of Indigenous Australia um, to, um, to mainland Australia, to, to the wider Australia. Yeah. And I think that where we see that, we see that within you know, some of the, um, some of, in science, we see it with, especially around traditional knowledge as to what traditional knowledge contributes, especially to biomedicine. We're looking at traditional ecological knowledge to enact to mitigate the impacts of catastrophic events such as bushfires. And we're starting, to, we're starting to examine those within here at UQ and other universities. And so when we conclude, uh, we're actually also developing, I'm working on, and I'll be working on with a number of students as partners to develop a major in traditional knowledge um, 
to go as part of the UQ Bachelor of Science. So in that, what we're seeing then is the positive contributions that Indigenous knowledges and cultures actually contribute to a more holistic you know, um, Australia. And that is from a positive point of view. So we, we might talk, talk of about the massacres. The last massacre happened, I think it was 1937, the Coniston Massacre in the Northern Territory. So that was, you know, a lot of, and that's the last recorded massacre. There were other massacres after that, but they weren't recorded. So we can tell about that history. Yes, it is a black armband of history. But by cheese, it had, a, you know, that had that, that intergenerational trauma that was behind that's behind the intergenerational trauma. But what's the, the other part of that history is what, we're contri- what Indigenous Australians are doing as far as our knowledge and the revival of our knowledge through culture, through language, and its contribution to Australia. And I think uh, we contribute something like um, uh, five, six, hundred million dollars to, you know, insofar as the Australian tourism industry goes. We're contributing to the, mi- the Australian mining industry pastoral industry, so forestry industry, we, you know, 13% of Australia's forests is, um, is under at some form of Aboriginal ownership. 40% of the Australian continent is, is under some form of Aboriginal ownership. So these are sorts of things that then, when you look at where the land is owned, it's usually in those areas of mining and pastoral industries where we, on those areas of, of land and waters that Australia depends upon. So our knowledge, that's what we're contributing because yeah. a lot of that is under our ownership. Thanks for listening to the podcast this week. We hope you found this episode interesting. See you again next week.